Hello and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. This is a creature feature episode where I look at cryptids. I'll describe them, delve into their history, look at some eyewitness accounts and look at what they might be. Research is as academic as possible and references will be given after the story. This week's creature is the Filipino death tree. The name Filipino death tree is a bit of a misnomer. Most of the articles I found for this call it the man-eating tree of Mindanao. It's known as a cryptobotanical carnivorous plant and is only found on the island of Mindanao in the Philippines. First mentioned in the newspaper American Weekly in 1925, it has only been seen a few times. Because of this, I've gone to the dreaded place, Wikipedia. It's only to find the outline for other man-eating trees found around the world though. None of which actually appear in this episode whatsoever. I did some reading. I haven't actually used any of that information. As I said, in 1925, an article in American Weekly appeared. It was written by B. H. William and titled Escaped from the Embrace of the Man-Eating Tree. The article described the story of W.C. Bryant, who had travelled to the Philippines from Mississippi. He, his friend King, and his Moro guides, including a man named Leon, were exploring the island. A Moro is a Muslim inhabitant of the Philippines. I don't know if it's an insensitive term, but I'm going to refer to Leon just by his name anyway. Bryant, King, Leon and some of the other guides were exploring the island, walking towards the mountains. Bryant and King had been warned of evil creatures in the foothills of the mountains already. Demons, devils and things known as kotras were meant to lurk there. The guides were worried about taking the Americans there and were distraught to hear that it was exactly where they were going. They began to hug Bryant's knees and beg them not to go to the foothills, where the possibility of meeting evil creatures was higher. King got very mad and carried one of the guides for half a mile. Eventually, the guides had an argument with Bryant and King. They didn't want to go anywhere near the place where the evil monsters lurked. Bryant and King weren't interested in turning around. The guides were afraid of the foothills, but were more afraid of returning home without the protection of Bryant and King, who had guns with them. It was decided that they would head into the foothills. The guides walked as though they were already dead. They knew how dangerous it was to be in the foothills, but they stayed with the men who had weapons. The day after they headed into the foothills, They reached a plateau covered in grass, as tall as a man. They decided to stop for lunch. While the meal was being cooked, 
Bryant pushed forwards a bit to a knoll nearby. He hoped to be able to see the route ahead, since none of the guides knew what was coming anymore. They were still helpful for cutting away through the grass and ferns, but they weren't very good at knowing what was coming because they'd avoided the area. The guide named Leon went with him, cutting through the grass ahead of Bryant. Leon noticed that there was no wind and an absence of animal tracks. It seemed like even the birds were avoiding the area. He looked back to Bryant, full of fear. Bryant then noticed the silence. He tried to get Leon to continue, but Leon threw himself to the ground and was pleading to return to the others. Bryant had none of it and pushed Leon onwards. Leon had no choice but to comply, and soon the two of them were in front of a single tree. The tree itself was somewhere between 35 and 40 feet tall. There were some tightly packed leaves, and it made him think of a shingle roof. The upper branches were obscured. Bryant was in awe of the tree. The vegetation that they had cut through on their way in had abruptly stopped at an even distance from the tree all the way around, and the pair found themselves stood in the grass around a 30-foot circle of barren ground. Past the wall of grass, not a single thing grew except from the tree. But Bryant did notice what looked like volcanic ash littering the ground. The other thing that he noticed was the smell. The air was thick with the smell of something that he couldn't quite put his finger on. He described it as both carrion, the smell of dead bodies, and the circus, but also neither of them at the same time. He could see that there was some kind of shiny, sticky substance and a pile of bones that had been bleached by something. Leon, rather than step foot in the barren area, began to carve a path around the tree. Bryant was confused, thinking that Leon had chosen the most difficult option and had chosen to be inefficient. The newspaper article makes that sound much worse and I've chosen the words very carefully to depict the article safely because due to the time the article was published, it was racist in the thoughts of what Leon had done. Bryant was fine with Leon making his own way around the tree because it meant he had more time to observe the strange thing. He decided that the thick foliage must have caused the ground to go barren, but couldn't work out how the perimeter had been so neat. Nor could he figure out how rains had not caused small plants to grow underneath. That's when he noticed something in the pile of bones under the tree. It was a human skull. Bryant stepped out of the grass and into the barren zone without really thinking. He remembered thinking that a breeze must have been picking up because the leaves in the tree began to move. There was also a hissing noise that Bryant thought might have been a snake. He didn't get a chance to check though. Leon had landed on his back. The two fell to the ground and Leon was screaming. Bryant thought that Leon had lost his mind, but was thankful that he hadn't hit him with his bolo, the instrument that the guides used to cut through the grass. 
Bryant realised that he was helpless to defend himself until he could free his arms. He thought that that would be easy, but Leon was holding on to him with some strength. Bryant began to try and break Leon's grip. It loosened enough that he could grab his revolver and turn to look at Leon. Leon wasn't looking back though. Leon's face was contorted in fear and looking up at the canopy. Bryant looked in the same direction and saw that the tree was reaching for the two of them. The tree had changed its shape completely and was moving as if it were always capable of doing that. The leaves had moved out from their tightly packed formation and were moving towards them on the ends of vine-like stems. Leon had actually stopped screaming and the air was filled with hissing sounds as the leaves moved like cobras, shifting from side to side as they moved forwards. The leaves were coming from all over the tree. They could see the vines moving around from the other side of the trunk, which was bending to allow the leaves from the top of the tree to come down faster. This bending was happening in bursts, always accompanied by sharp cracks. The movement of the leaves was hypnotic and the two men were still as the tree continued to attack. Bryant watched a leaf curve like a hand as it brushed past his eyebrows. The smell was much stronger when it did that and Bryant realised that if he had been in the same place, the leaf would have taken his eyes out. Either he'd thrown himself back or Leon had pulled them back. Brian couldn't tell, but somehow they were on the floor again. That fall broke the hypnotic spell the tree had over them. The two of them scrambled across the floor to the grass, leaving the barren patch. Bryant now knew why it was barren under the tree, as he and Leon lay in the grass. The tree was still moving, trying to find the men, but they were too far away from it. It worked itself up, then settled down. Bryant had recovered by then, and Leon took him around to the other side of the tree, which started up again, trying to kill them. Bryant took the time to observe the tree, estimating the leaves to be around three inches across, around nine inches in length, and thick like a cactus. The vines that held the leaves were roughly the thickness of a thumb, had the ability to coil and uncoil like a spring, and even extend further if they needed to. The bones under the tree, Bryant thought, were smaller than a human, and possibly smaller than an ape. He could see lots of feathers, and possibly some hair or fur. Then they heard the sound of gunfire, and were reminded that King and the other guides were still on the plateau, making dinner. The gunshot must mean that it was ready. The men made their way back, and Bryant's last look at the tree showed its leaves slightly ruffled, like an angry bird. Bryant was confused. Why would the natives not try and destroy all of those trees, knowing that they were out there? When asked, Leon said that a naked man with just a bolo is no good against a killer tree. 
Bryant didn't believe that, choosing to believe that the guides could easily destroy a tree if they grouped together and if they tried, and that they just lived in superstition instead. Upon his return from the foothills, Bryant reported his findings to Captain Johnston. Johnston replied that he'd heard the stories about the tree and how they mesmerised their victims, but didn't believe it until Bryant had said something. The paper that ran the story reached out to Bryant, who responded and said that the story was true. He did, however, take issues with the drawings in the newspaper. He described the tree as round like a smokestack and a dark grey or ash colour. He said that the tree was symmetrical and could have been inviting in a storm because of the seemingly thick canopy. He believed that the sticky substance on the tree was what caused the hissing sound and if the tree had managed to reach him, it would have grabbed him and held him until it could end his life. A few months after the story ran in American Weekly, Willard Clute put an article in American Botanist, saying that the original story was a wild tale in the Sunday paper. He offered a $10,000 reward for a living specimen. Then, in December 1927, another article appeared in the papers. This time, it was the Abilene Reporter News from Texas. The article, written by Muriel Eddy, tells the story of the only woman explorer who had met the tree. She managed to escape unharmed, though. The tree seems to disappear after that, never to be mentioned again. I wonder what happened to the tree. This episode is a little odd. I looked everywhere, but I can't actually find any theories about it. Is it real or not? We don't have any way to know. I have some options, but they're not really theories. The first option is that the tree isn't real. Makes sense, and it is pretty easy. It's just a fabricated story to get some interest in something within the newspaper that ran it. The other option is that a deadly tree does actually exist out there. Maybe not in the same way, and the story would likely be an exaggeration, because otherwise we'd have more stories about it. But there are carnivorous plants out there that can kill humans. Some of these plants also smell like rotting meat, which does add up. Whether or not they're actually around the Philippines or not, It's a different matter. Regardless, just in case, be careful on Mindanao if you're there. There might be a sticky tree that wants to kill you. The description, history and eyewitness reports of today's creature came from a kook science article called Man-Eating Tree of Mindanao. References for the episode will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. 
Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting an upload of one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open a new email, so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events, and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said, let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. The next episode will be out on Wednesday, and next week's Creature Feature will be released on July 16th. So hold on until then.